Hey, real quick, Craig here. If you're looking to take your six-figure business to seven figures and beyond, let's talk to see how the Built to Scale program can help you grow your business without sacrificing your personal life. Head to builttoscalehq.com to set up your one-on-one call with me. Welcome to Built to Scale, where we have real conversations with entrepreneurs just like you about what it takes to build a thriving business without sacrificing your personal life. My name is Craig Severinsen, and I help people make more money working with better clients while also working less. And now I'm sharing it all with you. Let's dive in. What's up, everybody? This is episode nine, and today we're talking with my friend, Becky Jolly. Becky lives at the intersection of social media and funnels, and so that gives her a really unique perspective on business. She drops a ton of value here, and I'm really excited to share it with you. And there's three things in particular I think you wanna look out for. So number one, we talk about using humor in your marketing and how that can really help you stand out from the crowd. So many people are afraid to use humor, but if you add that human element into your business, you can see that your marketing really gains traction. Number two, we talk about why it's important to connect with a community of entrepreneurs who just get it. Not just for business results, but for your own mental health too, like having a place where you can go and talk about your business and people understand where you're coming from. And then number three, we talk about vanity metrics on social media and why you should connect your efforts to real business results. There's a lot of value here. I'm really excited to share it with you. Let's dive in. Well, cool. So Becky, thanks for coming on. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are, just so we get a little bit, bit of background on you know who you are. Absolutely. So I have a company called Elephant Key Marketing, and my background historically has been in social media, content, blogging, emails, stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of how I started. When I started in social media, I was an office assistant um, at a company that sold tickets for events. We were kind of a ticket reseller. Um, and I, my boss liked my social media profiles. He liked my personal posts that I was doing for myself. So he, he was like, here's a login for Twitter and go. So I kind of had to figure all that stuff out by myself. And I was blogging and writing blogs about, um, like parking garages, right. Just uh-huh. for strictly for the SEO and trying to get that like SEO, the SEO ranking up. So, um, that's where I started. And a few years ago, I got a great job with a wonderful woman. Uh, her name is Ginger. She's still one of my mentors and good friends. Um, and so I kind of moved into a content management role. So I'm still doing a lot of content, a lot of blogs, a lot of social, a lot of um, marketing slicks and marketing flyers and, and things like that. And then I started Elephant Key Marketing in 2000, 2016. So January 2016. So it will be, what is that? Six years in January. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, and when I started, I just kind of kept that role going. So it was a super awesome situation where she was just kind of like, okay, these are the clients that you're managing. I want you to take those. Uh-huh. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction. We still kind of overlapped a lot with our clients and our work. Um, and so that's what I did. And it was awesome. I loved doing that. But a part of me was like, there's something missing here, right? Because we're doing all this great stuff, but we're not moving people the, the way that we want to through our sales process. So um, aside from that, when I was, um, I was working with a, a, like a life coach and he had this program that came out 
Um, and I was going to buy it one day and I got like my stuff locked in. I got all my stuff set up and then I had to leave for a little bit and come back. And while I was gone, I got an email saying, Hey, are you sure you don't want to buy that thing that you started to buy? And that's when it clicked for me. I was like, Oh, Oh, I need to do that. Like we need to have a way to like drive people through the sales process. So that's when I started learning about funnels. Um, and that has really for the last two years been kind of my passion is, is getting involved in tying all these elements that are so great and so helpful together to show measurable ROI for my clients. Awesome. That marriage of social and then funnel building together. Yes, exactly. Because the social is awesome, but it has to go somewhere. It has to do something. It can't just sit out there and look nice and get likes and comments. I think that that's a, that's a really interesting idea in that it's i think it's getting more and more mainstream as people kind of realize that but as social is still kind of new lots of people are just like oh get on social oh i got yeah. comments like, you know the vanity metrics are still very much a part of mm -hmm. it's ingrained in us that we want all yes. these vanity metrics and we don't really pay attention to the sales part absolutely and when i i, I do that myself i love seeing if a post is taking off and how it's doing and um so, but that's not what matters to my business, right? Like nobody builds their business on, I get likes, even influencers and, you know, celebrities, they don't actually get paid for likes. People have to click on their links and buy their products and, and totally. click on their affiliates and stuff like that to make a difference. So that's really what we need to drive to. So I want to go back a couple steps um, and ask you, so it sounds like, you know, you have this job and you're like, Hey, I kind of want to do this on my own. And it, kind of morphed into consulting entrepreneurship, right? So yes. was that a conscious decision on your part? Was entrepreneurship something you wanted to do? Or is this something that just kind of fell in your lap? You're like, hey, this is cool. Yeah, it just kind of happened. And I actually never in my life thought I would be the boss, <laughs> which is weird because I remember a lot of comments on report cards, like she's very bossy. She tells people what to do. And I'm like, now I do. Yeah yeah, now I'm the boss. Look what happened. But um, yeah, it just kind of happened. It, my transition into being an entrepreneur was very different, I think, than what a lot of people, a lot of people hustle nights and weekends and they build their thing while they're working. And mine was, I was very lucky and it just got handed to me. And I feel like in some ways that was awesome. And in some ways that was kind of a detriment to my growth. And so I've had to play a little bit of catch up in terms of like learning how to actually go in and, and find the clients. And funnels has kind of been that, that full circle of like, oh, this is how we do it now. Interesting. Yeah. No, you know, I don't, I, I guess I can't uh, speak to your experience, but I think I had a similar path myself in that I was working in the nonprofit sector and I was fundraising and I was doing so well that a bunch of fundraisers in the area started saying, Hey, what are you doing? And I kind of fell into consulting with them. Mm -hmm. And then I said, Hey, I'm going to do this full time. And I just quit my job and move across the country. Like I, I just dove all in on it. But so in the, in a very similar way, you know, I didn't morph into entrepreneurship, but I kind of fell into it and then went with it. Yeah. And I, I think you're maybe not giving yourself enough credit that <laughs> you still did it. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. yeah, it fell into your lap, but you still took up the reins. And I think that's kind of a scary thing, right? Like to yeah. be your own boss is kind of scary. Yeah, it was, it was very scary. And the, I, uh, when I started Elephant Key Marketing, um, I took a job delivering pizzas at the same time, because I was so scared, like, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to need food and a place to live. So I, I had this kind of backup plan. And within about six weeks or so, um, I had already, I had kept 
retain the clients that, that were handed to me. We had great relationships. I'm still very good friends with some of them. Um, and, uh, I got enough new clients within about six weeks or so I had enough new projects kind of open up that I had to quit. So it was just, it was so scary. And then it, it all kind of worked out and everything so far, knock on wood has been, has worked out the way it needed to. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we, I think we put too much pressure on, on like, so first off, I have a brother-in-law that owns a pizza place. And right now, if you're delivery driver, you're making bank because <laughs> they can't find <laughs> they can't find enough delivery drivers. So they're paying a ton and people tip. Like they're making like 50, 60 bucks an hour right now. Like it is a ridiculous number. But like I think if if you want to uh take a job like that, especially as an entrepreneur, it can be kind of lonely, right? Like you can be in your office all day and even interacting with people, but it's like, you don't really get to interact with people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't really get that human uh, interaction. Yeah. And so I know entrepreneurs who are very successful and they'll still take a job at like Starbucks or something. Yeah, and just like true. for a day a week, go have like a social life, you know, humans, other people. <laughs> so how do you, I, you obviously don't have a pizza uh, job right now, but how do you Re, how do you add that social element into your life right now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Especially the last year and a half has been hard. That has been challenging. And for me, especially because I live by myself um, and my two cats, and they don't talk that much. Um, so they're, I don't know if you can hear them in the background, but they're fighting. It's fine. Um, but I, so I learned early that you have to like shoehorn that in. Like you have to make yourself do that. So um, I haven't been lately, but I, I want to get back into it. I went to the gym three times a week when I started and I should get back to that because I have a very social, like active community based gym. It's not, you know, you're playing at fitness where you put your earbuds in and you just run. Like my gym is very social. Um, almost to the point where my coaches are like, but you know, we're here to work out. Right. <laughs> um, and I do, so I do improv. So I do that a couple once or twice a week. So I'm around my improv friends, which is really fun. I spend a lot of time with my family, but you have to like build that in. And then the other thing professionally. So you have to, you have to make time and like shoehorn hobbies and, and outside time. Even I think if you have a family and you have your kids, like it's really important to maintain those relationships outside of it as much as you can. Um, and then the other thing professionally is just surrounding yourself with great professional groups and like great resources, great coaches, great, you know, networking and things like that. So, um, that's been unbelievably helpful. I think the same thing has been true in my experiences that you have to, whatever those, so first of all, I love that you're doing, uh, hobbies and that you found groups and communities to kind of tap into. And I, what I love about what you're doing, you know, you're saying shoehorn, but it's almost like you've got to like build that into your schedule. Mm -hmm. And then it's like a non-negotiable, like, yes. yep. you know, your, your gym time or your family time or your improv time or whatever it is. It's like, this happens this time and whatever I'm doing, I go do that. Right. That's just yeah. part of it. One of the things that I have been, has been really helpful in that is some people do improv. They just kind of go when they have the chance and find an opportunity. But for me, I join specific teams that have like rehearsal times and they have set schedules and they have set show times and things like that. So even if, you know, I'm really busy, I still have to be at, at our practice or I have to be at the show. Um, and really honestly, 95% of the time, maybe 98% of the time there's, you, you can make time for that. You can make an hour and a half in your day. And if you can't find an hour and a half or two hours in your day to do that, then 
something needs to adjust. <laughs> yeah, your the structure of your business is off, right? Like there's no there's not enough systems or there's not you're not charging enough or something's yeah. off that you're yeah. it's not allowing you to to have that time. That's awesome perspective. For sure. So I want I want to dive into so improv, like kind of a cool hobby. Do you feel like that skill set has helped you in other aspects of your business, like practicing that craft? Does that help oh, you? Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. In fact, I have I have a video about how I think I think every entrepreneur should take an improv class, quite frankly, every business owner, um, because so there's so many things it does that helps you think much quicker on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very important, especially if you're in a role where you're doing webinars, you're doing conferences, you're doing presentations, things like that. Like just having the ability to to think quickly is very important. Um, and also I think one of the things that's missing from so much marketing today is humor. So much, so many business and corporate messages and things like that just can't find any humor in their content. And I feel like that's not how people like to, um, consume content, right? They want humor. They want to laugh. They want to be funny. So every time I see some like funny, like 404 message or something, I love it. Um, when I'm looking at stuff and I see something that's a joke, I'm like, oh my God, these are my people. <laughs> so I think just having a way, even if you take most of it out, 99% of it out and use like one or two things in there that's funny, I think people connect to you. And I think the same thing happens when you're on a, on a sales call and you can make them laugh and you can start talking to people and kind of build that rapport. It's hugely important. You know, it's, it's so funny that when you're not, incorporating humor, it's just like such a focus on like, oh, I've got to make sales or I've got to market, market, market. And people, those, they ignore those messages. Yes. Um, versus if you can add that human element, that humorous element, then, then your marketing really gains momentum, right? Like mm-hmm. I, this is a, 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 an example that, that I use or that I've did is I went to a conference and I had so many jokes in my presentation. I felt like a stand-up comic, but like when I look at my presentation versus some of the other presentations, everyone was engaged with my con- with my presentation until the end versus like you watch some of the other ones and the eyes are glazed over and it's really good content, but it's not entertaining. It's not humorous. And so they're not engaging with it. Yeah. And, and so much of what we say, and I've seen so many people on at like every spectrum of the sales process say this, like you want to build relationships and that's really where the sales come in. It's not about, you know, high pressure. It's about building that relationship. And so a huge part of relationships is just being able to joke and have fun and laugh. And so I think that that's, that's just a shortcut into having, feeling that connection quicker. Would you say it has to be it has to be humor or something like if someone thinks that they're not funny or they're not humorous, like does, does it have to be humor that they tap into or does is it like just a human element, like kindness or relatability? Yeah, I think, I think there are a couple, I think that something artistic kind of helps you, helps you tap into that a little bit better. Right. So I think that having a hobby that's a little artistic or a little, a little creative is helpful. So like art, you know, you could write slam poetry, whatever that looks like for you, what you like and what you enjoy. I do like improv because, I, again, I feel like it really helps with very quick communication and like it expands your vocabulary and all those cool things. Um, but I think what you know, and I agree with you, I think that vulnerability is a really important skill set. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, compassion is very important and all those things. And I feel like having something artistic in your life where you're kind of developing the skills is a, a shortcut to tapping into that. 
Speaking of which, I wrote some slam poetry about marketing, and I'm just going to read you a few stanzas here really quickly. <laughs> um, I promise you, nothing would make me happier. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> be here my slam poetry. Yes. Um, why? So, do you think that that's why it's so difficult to have humor in your business? Is because it is vulnerability, or like, why do people struggle to bring humor into their marketing and into their business? I think it's because. Um, when we are, when you and I are having a conversation and we're laughing and we're having fun, I feel like when, when that switches into business mode and you're writing up a blog or you're, it's actually called a blog. I don't know. <laughs> I used air quotes. Uh, <laughs> a blog. Uh, but when you're writing that, you're like, there's a part of your brain that like switches over into like, this is serious. Mm. This is a big deal. And we know, you know, every person who's worked in sales knows that the more pressure you put on something, the more you try to take it super seriously, the more you, um, you put that, that like big, you make it such a big deal, the, the worse you are at it. Mm. Right. Like the more you tense up, the more you freeze. So I just feel like it's, it's hard to stay loose and hard to kind of keep in that like mind frame. And again, like having a hobby that like helps you do that is, is incredibly helpful. Um, and I do think that my content has gotten exponentially funnier as I've gotten gotten deeper into improv and like done it more. I love that. Yeah. I think there's there's a phrase I use a lot, which is be aggressively you. Be aggressively you. Yes. And I think that's part of this process, mm -hmm. right? You, mm -hmm. it, it, if humor is your thing, don't hide it. You know, or if it's something that you want to incorporate, don't hide it. Like step into it. Yeah. There's there's obviously a line like you can't <laughs> you don't want to be offensive, but there's there's Fair. this there's this funny thing. It's like if you just war lukewarm, you just blend into the crowd. So it's it's better to be a little hot. It's better to be a little, you know, it's like Wendy's and their tweets that are like slamming people <laughs> or like, you know, roasting people. Like we pay attention to that because it's a little bit edgy. You know, they're not like extremists like spreading hate. They're uh, they're a little edgy and they're spreading humor and that that makes them more appealing and more front and center, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. And I think that um, I think it does help you stand out. But I also feel like I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that doesn't have a little bit of a sense of humor and doesn't like to laugh at something. Um, so I think that's just some, that's a connection that we all share. So if you can kind of tap into that again, it's just like building that connection and like tapping into, especially in the B2B world. And I cannot, I cannot get this point across sometimes is that that's what makes you stand out because everybody sounds like a robot. So if you can sound like a funny robot, now you're standing out and now you're getting in front of people and they're, they're listening, they're paying attention. So even if you're just sharing like a, a funny meme that you found, like that's, that's huge. Yeah, totally. So I want to take uh, a couple steps back to something you said a little bit earlier about surrounding yourself with good communities, good coaches and stuff like that. Because I think that's a great transition because full transparency, Becky is actually a client of mine. She's inside the Built to Scale program. And so I want to ask you, like, why when you look for um, those types of communities uh, or a coach or a consultant or someone to work with, what are you looking for? Like, why do you invest in that? So I might be addicted to coaching that <laughs> I just have had such amazing coaching in my life. And I feel like, um, it, the, the concept in general is just really important to me because I feel like there's always something I'd be getting better at. And as a solopreneur, as somebody who works by herself, 
that support is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, I'm just an island and I'm just sitting here by myself, like trying to solve every single problem that I have. And that's exhausting. And I don't do a good job of it all by myself. Um, So kind of having those communities is imperative. I think about it this way, like Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Tiger Woods probably has 50 golf coaches, right? Like he probably has one for like each like club in his bag and for like every shot, like he has, you know, he has resources. So if somebody at that level still has coaches, then I'm certainly in need of one. Um, so when I think when you and I first started talking, I think something that stood out for me is that the first conversation we had, and I don't know if you remember this, you actually said like, I don't think I'm a good fit for you. I don't because sounds like yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And at that time, that was probably accurate. And then as we were talking, you said part of it was that when I first reached out to you, I was like, "Listen, this is my package," and I was selling kind of a smaller package, and it's probably undervaluing myself. And you said, "If if that's the level that you're going to go at, I that this is not the right fit for me." Um, and so that kind of stuck in the back of my brain. And then as I got more confident, as I worked with more coaches, or I worked with more clients, rather. Um, and I got more experience and I really realized like this is the area and I started to, to move more to the funnel space. I was like, okay, now it's time to play big. And then, then I realized that, you know, playing big means you have a lot of resources and a lot of communities. Um, so when I came in, I didn't actually realize how amazing the, the built to scale community is and how many great people are involved. Um, I just knew that you saying that to me was kind of like a wake up call for me. Like, why am I playing small? Why am I playing at at a level that's below what I can accomplish? And so I was like, okay, we're going to do it together. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome to hear. I, I, now that you're saying it, I do remember the conversation. It was, but I don't know why I didn't connect the dots, you know, sooner, but that's really cool to see you uh, come in and say, because I, I remember that you were wanting to work with me and I was like, Hey, you know, you're just, it's not the right time. And so to see you walk away and come back at a bigger level, and now you're playing so much bigger, um, that's a really cool story. And I'm I'm sad that I didn't catch it before, but I'm really <laughs> glad that you brought it to my attention. Surprise. I th- well, I think, <laughs> I think what that did for me, and I think one of the things that I look for in an amazing coach is that they push me to the next level, right? That's what a good coach is going to do. So they don't keep you inside of your comfort zone. If you're a coach and you know you have a coach who's – who's like, well, maybe you don't want to try that. Or if, if that's hard, that's okay. Like you're like, no, it's going to be hard. Let's go. And yeah. you're, you need to get to the next level because that's what you owe to yourself. So that so was huge. You, so do you think that you, as an entrepreneur, and I'm not looking for an answer here, right? I know it's kind of weird because I, I am your coach. So, so mm-hmm. disconnect that for a minute. Do you okay. think that you will always have a coach? Like, is that something important to always as an entrepreneur, you should always have a coach? Yes. Absolutely. I think, I think there's you or at the very least resources, right? Cause I think one of the pitfalls of being an entrepreneur is that we are the kind of people that don't shy away. We don't say no, we don't back down. We stand up and we say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And what that translates to in our output is that we try to take on every single thing that's a part of our business. We try to manage every part of our business ourselves. And then we get burnt out and we get exhausted, we let 
that's when mistakes start slipping through. We don't have the time to invest in, in continuing to learn about what we love, which is why we got into business in the first place. So we miss all of these things. So I feel like um, having resources and having support and having help is the most important thing, building out your team, building out your resources. But I also think that even if, you know, you're, you're, a hugely successful entrepreneur, having masterminds, having peers, having people who are ahead of you or who have seen that before is always going to be instrumental in what's at the next level, right? Because we get, we get comfortable and then we're good. And then we need somebody to come in, like I said, and say, okay, how can you push yourself? How can you take it, take it further? You know, it's funny. I'm glad you said resources because when I asked that question, I was thinking, you know, honestly, I was thinking the answer is no. Because what I, but I I agree with what you said, because I think my mind was going to what I see happen when people go from coach to coach to coach to coach is that it becomes this um, external validation where it's like, Mm -hmm. I have to hire somebody else to solve my problems. I can't solve my problems without somebody else there. And I think that that is unhealthy coaching. Like I think, uh, you know, and I view myself more as a consultant because, you know, we've got some hands-on stuff and, and uh, the coaching world's a little outside of the way I think. Um, but sorry, I go, I went on a tangent there, but the, uh, the point <laughs> is that you, what you said about, you need to have resources and you need to have, um, it, it's, it, it's this idea between like, are you internally able to make decisions and are you internally taking in what everybody's telling you and saying, okay, this is good. This is applies to me. This doesn't apply to me. Or are you depending on someone else to solve your problems? And that's the key difference to me. Yes. Because for sure. you, and I think there's also a level of like almost, it's almost like graduation, not really, but it's like when you first start out, you're looking for coaches to show you how to be a business owner. And mm-hmm. at some point there's a transition to now I'm looking for community and I'm looking for coaching consulting that is specific to my needs and helps me get to the next level, but I'm ultimately responsible for my own, my own progress. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I love about your program and, and the things that I look for is they don't, coaches don't tell you what to do, but they teach you their framework. They teach you the process. They teach you how to do that. But I also feel like every single time you advance in your career, you advance in your business, your business grows, whatever. Um, there's that saying new level, new devil. Yeah. So every time you do that, there's going to be new problems. And so that coach potentially, depending on who they are, that consultant, whoever that is, um, or your peer group maybe grows with you and everybody's at the same point or they, they kind of were already prepared to help you and they know what they want. Um, or maybe it's, it's time to, to pick a different person. Um, but I think that there's always going to be that need of like that support system in place. And it's not that you're not doing the work and you're not the one that's doing it, but they're helping you with the frameworks and they're helping you, um, ascend to the next level. Like I said, push you outside of where you, where you think you can go. I love that. You know, that concept of, of new level, new devil. I, I think that's certainly true that there are new problems that come as you grow your business, you know, running a $30,000 freelancer type business and running a $300,000 business with employees definitely is a different skill set. It's definitely different problems. But what I've noticed working with um, both newer entrepreneurs and seasoned experienced big, you know, revenue, big business entrepreneurs is that we struggle with the same things. And so I think part of it is not necessarily 
that you're going to be facing all these new problems. I think what we need to do as entrepreneurs is get really good at recognizing the mm-hmm. same devils that come to the door every time, right? It's like you start to recognize their knock and you're like, okay, that's one I don't answer. Or that's one <laughs> I know, you know, I got to get the fire extinguisher because it's going to cause a fire. You know, like you yeah. know exactly what to do and you just get better and better at recognizing this is my devil. And uh, he just comes up with different masks or different outfits or something. That's good. Yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, I like that. So um, what differences have you seen in your business from starting to work with me to now? Like what has happened since we started working together? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like I definitely have more frameworks that I use in my business that, that have taken off so much off of my plate. And I kind of take the decision-making process away from me, which is nice because as you know, as a, as a business owner, that's all we do all day long is make decisions and it is tiring. And there's yeah. a, there's that phrase or that concept of decision fatigue. So I just need to know, okay, when I get on a sales call, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do steps A through F and that's it. Um, and then you apply kind of your framework, right? So you you apply what you're doing into that framework and you kind of you kind of mesh it all together to make it make sense. Um, but I just I know what the steps are gonna be. And I know if I do these like five things every single day, I'm gonna find new clients. And I know that um I just I have a much, much more confidence in applying frameworks and systems to my business that I know are gonna be successful for me. I- um I love that idea of using systems and process as a way to avoid decision fatigue as like, you know, this is the way it works. And so Mm -hmm. I don't have to think about it. I just show up and do it or someone else shows up and does it. Cause I know you've got some subcontractors too. Right. Right. And, and that allows having that systems and having those, those systems and that framework, um, allows you to scale really, because I'm not the only person that can do, you know, my, my direct outreach. And I'm not the only person that can execute A, B, and C because I've built those systems out. So really the goal is to get to the point where if I'm out for a day, anybody on my team can take over and, and do it, do it the way that I would do it. Um, which is obviously the right way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it takes away, it takes away those decisions because that's really what exhausts you. And it's not the important stuff. Like, okay, what is my, what is my, um, annual content calendar going to look like? That's an important thing, right? Like who's my target market? That's an important question. Um, how am I going to approach this promotion with this client? Like those are important questions that I should be answering. So the question shouldn't be like, okay, when I get on a sales call, what are we going to talk about? So it's, it's really helped me kind of just narrow down to find that, make it easy and take that out of it. Um, the other thing that I feel like we're doing is, um, you've helped us understand what to hand off and what to not hand off, which has been really helpful. And you have a really good process for that, which is awesome. What about um, community? Because I know, again, I'm, 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 I have the insider track here of knowing that the Built to Scale program has amazing people in it. We've got mm-hmm. a really, really high level, high integrity, high performing group of people. How does the community and being involved in a good community affect your business? Oh, I mean, it's, it's everything. Honestly, I, every time I have a question about something, I know somebody in there is going to like be an expert in that area and can answer my question for me. Right. So, um, it's really helpful because for the first couple of years I was in business, I like call my mom or call my dad and be like, I'm having this problem. And they'd be like, that sounds hard. (laughs) I don't know what any of what you just said means. 
But I can I can jump in the group and be like, hey, I have, a, I have a question about embedding a calendar into a landing page. And like somebody knows, right? So I think you've done a really good job of kind of putting together a really diverse community, but we all have overlaps, which is helpful. So somebody will be able to answer your question about, about what you have. That that story about your parents struck me so hard because I think that that is something you, you don't realize getting into entrepreneurship that it's, you know, we talked about it being lonely before. And even I have a very supportive spouse, but it's like she, the weight of the business rests on me. You know what I mean? Yes. And there's like stuff that I know and that I do that she just doesn't understand. And my friends definitely don't understand. And yeah. so I think that there's like this level of like, uh, man, even if I tell somebody about it, they don't get it. Like, so I'm still alone. And so having a community where you can go and they just get it. I mean, yes. there's huge value yeah. in that huge. And huge. even if you, if you have questions about like client, client relationships, for example, um, 99% of the people that I know in my life have no idea what it's like to have a client. Yeah. true. They've never had one. They never will. And that's fine. Right. Like that's, that's a hundred percent. Okay. But it's just like, there, it's such a fine line and it feels so um, precarious to have those issues and like need need to have questions about that or need to like talk to somebody or even venting is really helpful um, to people who know what it's like to have a client who's paying your bills. So how do you handle a friendship? So I know how I handle my friendship relationships with business conversations. Like how do you, how open are you or what, how do you handle conversations with friends or family about your business? Uh, I am, it kind of depends on the person. I don't, I typically don't go super in depth into things with, yeah. with most of the people that I, that I know. Um, usually it's just like, you know, kind of fair weather, like, Oh, everything's good. I'm doing this new project or whatever, you know? So I don't, I don't really go in depth. Um, I have a couple of specific business mentors that I go to if I have like a really big thing that I need to figure out. Um, but for the most part, I just, I kind of stay out of it just because first of all, it takes 45 minutes to explain the backstory. <laughs> like, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing for this client. This is blah, blah, blah. But when I come with you guys, I can just be like, Hey, this is in the contract. What do I do? You know what I mean? Like you skip 45 minutes of like explaining the situation. Yeah. I think I kind of have a standing rule that exactly what you just said. It's like, you know, they asked me how the business is going and I'm just like, Oh, it's good with really good friends. Like I saw a really good friend. I went on a vacation not long ago and we went and visited a friend that I've known since I was in high school he, and we were at dinner. And so it's like an intimate setting. And he's like, Hey Craig, tell me about your business. And I just looked at him. I was like, well, uh, do you want, like, how deep do you want to go? Like really, what do you want to know here? Cause like, I'll talk your ear off about, you know, quarterly projections and stuff like that. But like, what do you, what are you asking when you say that? And like, he was so funny. Cause he like hunkers down. Like he like gets all prepped and he's like, let's dive in. Like, he's like, let's do this. <laughs> so that was really fun. But I think, you know, in general, that is again, highlighting the value of having a community of entrepreneurs or people who get it. Because there's problems that you face that it just, even like you said, even if you explain the whole story to them, they've never had a client, they've never been in the situation. Sure, their uh, advice is going to be good, but not as good as somebody who is doing it with you or or yes. has done it. Yes, or who has experienced that exact thing. And they're like, this is what I did, or this is a similar situation or whatever. And like your parents, when you're talking to them or your spouse is like, okay, well, I'm going to need you to, to pay the rent, pay the mortgage. I'm going to need you to, um, support yourself. Like my parents are like, definitely you can't move back in here with us. 
which is mutual, by the way. They're awesome, but <laughs> but we're we have a great situation. So like their brain goes to like this is an emergency, and for you, you just need a good way to to manage it, right? So like it takes that like also that kind of level of like personal involvement out of it too. Where like so, your wife is personally involved in you having a successful business, that is right? True. That's yeah. true. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and look towards the future. What is next up for you? Where are you headed? What's the, what's like the thing you're working on right now and working towards? That's a really good question. So for right now, I am kind of very deep into done for you funnels. So I'm helping my clients build out funnels. Um, there are three primary funnels that I think are good for most businesses. You want to have something that generates leads and or sales you know, something that nurtures. So it nurtures your current clients to sell deeper and nurtures your, you know, your past clients to maybe re- reignite that relationship and then some kind of administrative funnel. So we're um, building up revenue, we're increasing the total lifetime value of a customer and we're putting time back in your day. Or we're saving revenue by not having to pay somebody to do kind of some of that stuff that could be and should be automated, frankly. Um, so those are the kind of the three. So that's what I'm doing today. Within a year, I feel like what I want to do is maintain the agency size, so the funnel agency, and and keep that going, build that up, get that get that moving on its own. And then I'd love to move into an ad kind of a DIY space to mm-hmm. funnels and make funnels more accessible for people who maybe can't bring my team in to do it for them, um, and and help them see what to do by themselves. Right. So there are so many tools out there. So I want to you know help people understand what are the best tools for their needs based on what they want to do, how to set it up, you know, what good content and good messaging looks like, and then, and then how to automate it. So it works for them. You know, you said something there that I want to highlight that uh, I think is different than a lot of funnel builders do. And that is, you just said, we build funnels to help with administrative tasks. Like, mm-hmm. I think that that is something that we, you know, you're basically automating business functions, right? You look at how yeah. does service delivery or how does this yep. you know, administrative task happen and let's just automate it. And I think yeah. that that's a really cool approach as well to like, yeah, let's get leads and let's get marketing like kind of automatically or, or, or mm-hmm. you know, at least to help with it. But what about these administrative tasks? I think that's a really cool approach. Becky, tell us who you work with and where people can find you. Oh, okay, cool. I work with uh, profit-first coaches, bookkeepers, accountants, anybody kind of in the B2B financial space. So if you're working with customers uh, that are businesses and you're helping them with your finances, I would love to help you funnelize that. Uh, I think I just made up a word. I I loved it. Yeah, I'm smiling around it. (laughs) Okay, add it to the dictionary. Um, And what was your other question? Funnelize me, Captain. What? (laughs) Funnelize me, Captain. (laughs) I like it. Let's do it. Uh, anybody who is interested in learning more can visit www.ek.marketing. Got a lot of cool stuff on there and maybe one or two funnels that you can jump in and be a part of. Cool. So it's ek.marketing. Marketing. Mm-hmm. Which, and ek is like elephant key, right? So ek.marketing. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Becky, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Really good talk. And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode helped you, share with someone who needs to hear it as well. For more information on how you can work with me and great resources for your business, head over to builttoscalehq.com. Join us next time for Built to Scale. And until then, take some fast-focused, imperfect action. I believe in you. I got your back. We'll talk soon.